to let me do it several times over the span of 10 years. And, uh, and, and it's, it's comfortable now. I love public speaking. It's no big deal to me. Um, but I had a dream, and it was one of them real dreams, like it happened. And I was just, I was sweating, and I woke up, and it was just like somebody dumped water all over the bed. And, but anyway, I stand up here, and I, it was about what I was preaching today and everything. And I got up here, and my mother was, was sitting where Janice usually sits. And Mama Glow usually don't sit there, so that was weird to start with. Because she's usually way over there, and she's not here this morning. Uh, she, she's traveling, but I hope she's not here because that means the dream's coming to, to real life. If I look up, she's sitting there, I'm walking out, okay? Because I got to looking, and I was about to start preaching, Dr. Brassfield, and I didn't have a Bible. I was like, okay, that's fine. So I told everybody to turn to Luke chapter 10. And Mom walked up, and she handed me her Bible. I said, good. And it was like one of those 797-pound uh, Grandma Satterwhite Bibles. The King James one's about that big. You know, she, like, wheeled it up with a dolly. So I brought it up here, and I opened it up. And the font was like, the font was like negative 36. So I just started sweating. And I couldn't read it, and I was fumbling through the thing. And I've always had a high respect for comedians because they stand up, and that's got to be one of the hardest jobs, to stand in front of a crowd and get that response. And you've seen those times where it's just, they started booing, and there's just no come. You can't come back from that. So all of a sudden, I'm like looking for the text in Mom's Bible, and people start booing. And I'm just like, what happened to this great, good-looking church family? And they just start booing. I just start freaking out. And I'm like, mom's looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Luke chapter 10, I can't find it. And then people start throwing oranges. And I'm just like, what is going on? And by this time, I'm just panicking. And, uh, and I just remember, and I said, forget it. And I just, people started leaving. And I just prayed. And I went to Shane's office and laid down. And I woke up. And then it's just like, I was just full body sweat. And I'm just thankful that I have my Bible today. And that my mother is not in front of me. So, uh, but yeah, crazy. If my mom walks in, that's going to be very awkward. But my mother-in-law is here, and she's on the front row. That's kind of weird. Because she's never on the front row. So, Lord, just please let this work out well. But no, I, I, in all seriousness, I'm so excited to have the pulpit this morning. And I want to say I am so honored to, me and Andrea's going on. 10 years, and in 2014 will be our 10th year in ministry at First Assembly and, and with Pastor Brown. And uh, see, I'm already getting choked up, but I just want to honor my pastor because, and me and him, man, we're, that's my buddy. And uh, we've got the best pastor in, uh, in the world. And I told somebody this morning that, some of them pills I took might have been some of my wife's pills. So, I, you know, I was in a comedy routine. Now I'm crying in like a span of five seconds. So here we go. No, but I love, I love Pastor Brown. He, he, I, the reason I'm crying is because from day one, the man has, has let me do, I say respect me, whatever I wanted to do in the sense of ministry. And he is, I can't remember the first time he gave me the pulpit, but he never hesitated, and uh, man, I just love him, and I'm excited to see what God has in store for First Assembly. No more pills. No more pills. I am so excited about this word. I am not um, a big Christmas guy. I kind of was this year. I was kind of, you know, one year I'm Scrooge, one year I'm, uh, you know, excited and Rudolph and all that, and this year I was kind of excited, and, and I was singing Christmas songs and everything, but I'm glad it's over, and I'm a New Year's guy. I love New Year's because it's a fresh start, and I'm so honored to be able to preach the last Sunday of 2013. I always love 
the New Year's because it's a time to challenge people. Uh, and I love challenging people. It's always, we all know New Year's as the time where we all reflect on 2013 and we all go buy a gym membership because we're going to have a six pack and we're going to look ripped. And by January 20th, the gym membership is going to be revoked and we're going to be at Cracker Barrel. We all know that that's going to happen. I'm going to do that, okay? But we all know what, we all know the system. We know how it works. And God has placed this word in me back, I think, before Thanksgiving. And it was a word that I shared with the youth. And, and it was kind of, you know, I, I love Dr. Brassman. I'm glad he's here this morning. And, and I've kind of gleaned from him over the years in the sense of he always projects almost like a theme for the year that his family or his ministry goes by. And that's kind of what I've done for 2014 uh, this year. And this is, I'm going to preach about that this morning. But I want to be very practical this morning. What I mean by practical, and I have a couple definitions here. Um, the first definition that I like is just level-headed, level-headed. Um, the second one's making sensible decisions and choices, especially the types of decisions and choices that you have to make every day. And then the third definition of practical I, I looked up was intended to be useful or appropriate, not just fashionable or attractive. I'm going to preach a very practical message this morning. I'm not planning on having an altar service unless the Lord directs otherwise. I'm not going to call people down and lay hands on them because I want this practical message to be the last message of 2013. I want you to take it home, and as I always say, which we should do all the time anyway, I want you to take it home, download it, and process it, and apply it to your life. And I truly believe that this word this morning for somebody here is going to set the foundation for your 2014. I just truly believe that. I know that might be cliche talk for pastors, but I really believe that in my heart of hearts. You can ask my wife. I've been excited about this message for a long time. I've been prepared for this message for a long time. It didn't take a lot of preparation this week because I've been, been investing so much time in it over this month. So very practical. The second word I want to throw at you for my intro is time. Everybody say time. Time, I think, is one of the biggest, most important words outside of change when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to go into 2014 in, in, in a practical sense, in the sense of how much time can I devote to Jesus Christ? Because in all of the counseling that we do here and all of the, the ups and downs that we involve ourselves here as pastors... One of the biggest issues that could fix a lot of things, one of the biggest things that could fix a lot of issues is how much time we invest in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? And we have to ask this question, how bad do we really want a relationship with Jesus Christ? Now, that's kind of a hard, a tough, kind of intense question, but how bad do we really want a relationship with Jesus Christ? And I believe our time invested into our relationship with Jesus will answer that question. I believe that, and don't get me wrong, I don't think Jesus is up there and he's got a watch and he says, okay, Mr. Riggs, you invested 437 hours and 62 minutes in our relationship. But uh, Johnny invested 600 and whatever minutes, so he gets more. Than, no, I'm not thinking that he does it that way. But, but it does come down to time, amen? Because we've heard enough sermons about the Wednesday and Sunday Christians. We, 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 we know that that's a cultural problem, amen? That's a problem where, where we know how to play Christian on Sundays and Wednesdays, but it's the Monday, Tuesdays, the Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays is difficult. And that's what I want to address. 
The third word I want to use in my intro, practical. We're going to talk about time, but the main word that I want, I want to just singe on everybody's hearts this morning is trade. Everybody say trade. I, I, our, our kind of our theme for 2014 for the, the students of ISM is we, we want everybody to know that we are traders, not traitors with a T, but traders. We want people to know that in 2014, we are willing as individuals and a ministry, we are willing to trade away things that are in our daily routine for more time with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And I think that is so... That is so where we need to be right now as the, church, as the church. Once again, don't get me wrong, not so at the end of the week we can pat ourselves on the back and say, I spent 72 hours with the Lord to, this week, praise the Lord. No, but it comes down to we know that the more time we spend with people in a relationship, the closer we're going to become. I know that the more time I spend with my wife and children, my relationship, it only has one choice, and that is to be strengthened. Bottom line, when I spend time with my sons, the more time I spend with them, bottom line, I know that it's going to be strengthened. Amen? And the same thing goes with our relationship with Jesus Christ. The definition of trade is to exchange something for something else. To exchange something for something else. When I hear the word trade or I say the word trade, my mind instantly goes back to when I was a child. And baseball cards was a huge thing when I was a kid. I loved baseball cards. And I almost got up in the attic last night just to kind of go through them because I kept a lot of them. And, and I was a big baseball fan, and I have a lot of the old ones back in the 60s and 70s and uh, even the 80s and 90s to some of these kids. But uh, when I think about trade, I think about trading baseball cards. You know, I would have a, a guy on the Cardinals, and Chris, my best friend, now my brother-in-law, would have a guy uh, with the Yankees, and we would make a trade. And when we made that trade, that, that card that I had is no longer mine. It was his, and vice versa. There was a trade made there. And, and that's, what, that's what I want to put our thinking on this morning, is what can we trade, good or bad, in our daily lifestyle? What can we trade what can we swap Jesus for more time with him? Now listen, don't get me wrong. Jesus don't need what we have. All he wants is our time. He doesn't need, if, if, if I need to trade a hobby or if I need to trade something that, uh, uh, time on the social network, he don't need that social, he just needs my time. Amen, does that make sense? And I think if we, if we will get on the same page this morning with that, I think we'll go somewhere today. So we have to answer the question, what can I trade to open up some time for me to spend with Jesus? Because everybody that I deal with in ministry, that, that's almost the same question I can go back to is, how much time do you spend with Christ? How much time do you spend with Jesus Christ? Whether it's a divorce, whether it's a teenager, whether it's a senior saint, Dr. B, I can always go back to that one thing. How much time are you investing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? It's like a marriage counselor. That's something that they would ask the couple. How much time do you spend communicating? And it sounds so two plus two is four, but it's something that we're not getting because the culture is not, not spending time. We're spending time doing everything else instead of spending time building our relationship with Jesus. I truly believe that it's not the why. We know why we need to spend time with Jesus Christ. Most people, even unsaved people, they kind of know why it's important to spend time with your Lord and Savior. Because you'll grow closer to them. Most people can answer that. 
probably my seven-year-old Eli could answer that question. Why would you spend time with somebody so you can draw closer to them? So it's not the why, it's the want to. We talked about the New Year's and, and you got to want to go to the gym and you got to want to eat right and you got to want your marriage to be better. You can't just go by theory. That's not practical. You can't just go by a whim. That's not practical and say, well, it's just going to get better. You got to want it. Amen. You got to want it to get better. The issue is not why we should trade. The issue is, do we want to trade? Bottom line, what else could it be? Do we want to trade? So I pose this question once again, and we'll watch this video. Somebody get the lights. What are you willing to trade in 2014? Abram traded his home in Ur to become the father of a nation. Ruth traded her homeland to become the great-grandmother to a king. Moses and David traded their sheep to become leaders of Israel. Peter and Andrew traded their nets to become fishers of men. Mary traded her housework to sit at the feet of Christ. Saul traded his prestige to become Paul, a leader of the church. St. Augustine traded a life of debauchery to author over 100 works promoting the gospel of Christ. Albert Schweitzer traded a successful career to train as a doctor and establish a hospital in Africa. Rachel Saint traded her grief to dwell among the natives who had killed her brother. Corey Tim Boom traded anger and resentment to forgive a brutal Nazi guard who put his faith in Christ. John and Betty Stam traded their lives to testify of Christ in communist China. Cameron traded the money he spent on Starbucks for 40 days to raise money for water wells in Uganda. Dale traded extra hours of work climbing the corporate ladder to mentor fatherless boys in his neighborhood through basketball. Sarah traded her teaching career in Dallas to teach Muslim children in Morocco. Heather traded comfort and routine to be a foster parent to children in need. They put their faith in action, being intentional with their time, money, and passions so that they can bring the love of Christ to the world. What are you willing to trade? Genesis chapter 12. Go there with me. Time. We all have it. We all have 24 hours. Rich or poor, no matter how we were brought up, no matter what our title is, we all have 24 hours. And just as every year, when every year turns around, I, I've got to question myself and ask myself, how much harder can I push myself in the sense of drawing closer to Jesus Christ? And I draw some, some motivation from some of the people that you heard on the video. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12 and Abram. Verse 1. It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. 
And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to, to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram traded his homeland to go to a place that he had no clue about. Now, you say, Joseph, that's on the extreme side. Yes, I know. But still today in 2013, there are people literally called by God to leave the comforts of their home, to go to a nation that they know nothing about, to be Jesus and take the gospel of Jesus Christ to them and to be closer to Christ. Do you know that? Amen. It happens all the time. We see that with missionaries. We see that with evangelists. We see that with, with whole families. I love Abram. Abram was 75 years old. And that's what I love about the New Year's. It's not just a young thing. It's not just a teenage thing. It's not just a young adult thing. The beauty of a new year is that anybody from, from, from child to senior saint can make changes in their life to draw closer to the Lord. He was 75. You talking about being in your comfort zone. And we all know what that comfort zone is like. We all know what that's like. We all know the comfort of that. And, and, and if we were all really honest, we would all say that every one of us, including myself, would have a difficult time being taken out of my home. I don't know what I would do if somebody told me I had to leave Heber Springs and go somewhere I didn't know nothing about and just go and depart. But Abram did that. He traded. He made a trade. Look at Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. The Moabitess, what a beautiful book. Ruth traded, also traded her homeland. Verse 16, but Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, speaking to Naomi her mother-in-law. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And I got to think that Naomi is, is like an Old Testament shadow of Jesus Christ. And Ruth is, she thinks she's speaking to Naomi, but really she's speaking to God. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Ruth was willing to make a big trade. Not only her homeland, but as the language she used, she was willing to trade everything. Everything. Look at Exodus chapter 4. Let's look at Moses. So the first two, Abram and Ruth, on the extreme side, more than likely there's not a lot of people in here that in 2014 you're going to pick up and just go to another city or location. If the Lord has called you to do so, I encourage you to follow the leading of that. But that's on the extreme side. I, I know that. I, just, I wanted to show you from the top to the bottom. Exodus chapter 4 verse 18, Moses. Moses. Verse 18, 
We'll cut it short. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. What did Moses trade? He traded his job. He's tending sheep. He traded his job. Now, that's still on the extreme side. Homeland, homeland, job, that's still a serious thing. Could there potentially be people in here that in 2013 God may be speaking to you about switching jobs? And that's what he wants you to do? Sure, it happens a lot. And I encourage you to follow that leading. If you haven't prayed about it, pray about it. But if God is specifically in you, call you to go to a new job, then you need to follow that calling. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Very familiar with this one, King David. He, was also, he also traded his job. We know the story in, in, in chapter 16. Being anointed as king as a, as a young child and, 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 and going up against Goliath. And all that the people knew him as was the, the, the boy with the sheep. He had a specific job. That was his comfort area. But he got out of his comfort area. He wanted to make a trade. He wanted to trade his job to do God's work because he knew that it would draw him closer to God. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 20 says, So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. He left his job. He made a trade. He made a trade. He signed up to be a trader. Go to the New Testament, Mark chapter 1. I know you, you heard these in the video, but I just want to touch on these. Mark chapter 1. So we have two that traded an extreme trade. They traded their homeland to draw closer to the Lord. And we have two that traded their job. Not as extreme as leaving their homeland, but still pretty extreme. Now let's get down where the majority of us here today can really relate to. And let me make this clear. It is just as important as the job or the homeland in Christ's eyes. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Now, this is speaking of Peter and Andrew, and, and they're leaving their nets. And yeah, that was their job. But I want us to look at this example through the lens of a hobby. Just like if me and you had a, a hobby of fishing or, or hunting, or, or a hobby that took up a lot of our time. Okay, took up a lot of our time. Let's read it. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after them. Once again, I know that this was their job, but let's look at it as if it was their hobby. And God traded, God wanted that time that they invested in fishing. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not standing up here saying you need to let go of every hobby that you have. You don't need to go fishing, you don't need to go hunting, but we are talking about time here. And the bottom line is, if I spend five days out of seven fishing, and that's all that I do, and I spend the other day resting, and then I just take about an hour and a half or two hours out of that last day and spend it with Jesus Christ, my relationship with him will never grow. It will never be strengthened. Never be strengthened. 
I have to decide, you have to decide, what can I trade to open up more time so that I can spend with Jesus Christ? Amen? Amen? Does that make sense this morning? Go to Acts chapter 9. Very practical, very simple message, church family. I'm not blowing your minds this morning theologically, but I'm, I'm speaking from a heart and I'm speaking from somebody who has seen pain after pain after pain come through these doors. And I've seen, I, I've seen marriages and, 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 and individuals and teenagers and, and senior saints battle the same issue and the issue comes down to the lack of time spent with the Lord. The lack of time spent in God's Word. The lack of time spent on our face before him, praising him and praying to him and communing with him. Does that make sense? That is the issue today. It was the issue yesterday, and it will continue to be the issue, I believe, is our time. How much time are we truly investing? How much, uh, how much of that time are we willing to trade to spend with him? Acts chapter 9, Paul traded something, obviously. Verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Paul was very prestigious in his social network. Everybody thought highly of him. He had that it factor. He did everything the, the way they wanted him to do it. Whether he believed it or not, he was, he was the it crowd. It was the social thing. But watch what happened. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And we know the story. There's a massive convert. There's a massive change. Paul trades his social high-style lifestyle for a lifestyle of Christ, for Christ. Now that's, once again, on the extreme Scale, but we all know in every little small town in every city across America, there's a sense of social status that a lot of people carry. And sometimes that gets in the way of their development and their relationship with Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Luke chapter 10. We've seen the extreme side of what people are willing to trade for a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's get down to the bottom of the barrel, which I truly believe in the heart of hearts is the most important one of them all in the sense of our community, in the sense of our network. Mary and Martha, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus said only one thing is needed, and Mary's doing it right now. She's sitting at my feet. She's turned the TV off. She's turned the Internet off. She's logged off of Facebook. She's turned her iPhone off. Get with me here. Let's just be real today. 
She's turned every electronical device off. And I, I'm going to go way overboard here with some people, but I just, it, as a dad, it scares me to death to see the addictions that, that, that we are seeing with electronical devices. And I'm not saying go home and burn them. I'm not saying that because they're all over my house. But we have to manage time. We have to manage our time. 12 hours on Facebook in a day and a two-second devotion in the morning before you go to work, that doesn't balance out. And I'm not preaching. I'm preaching angry at just the system. I'm not preaching anger at anybody else because it's, it, it's a struggle for me too as a dad to try to balance it out. Where do I balance it out? But the Bible says, Jesus said, one thing is needed, and that is the time that she has invested in it sitting at my feet. One thing is needed, and that is the time invested into my word. One thing is needed, and that is the time invested at an altar, seeking the Lord, seeking me. The one thing is the time, a simple act, a daily activity, and that's where I want to get to today is just our daily life. What does your daily life look like? What does your daily life consist of? Is it the normal? Because we've been talking about normal in our financial class. And, and, and we've been talking about in finances, normal is just having a bunch of debt and buy whatever you want. That's normal these days. That's where we've gotten to. It's normal to be in debt. Well, the same thing goes spiritually. It's normal just to live off of Sunday and Wednesday. It's normal. It's normal to spend the majority of your time on everything else besides your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's normal. I don't want to be normal. Okay, normal is not fixing husbands and wives. Normal is not fixing mamas and sons. Normal is not fixing my teenagers. I'm going to tell you right now. Normal is not fixing churches. Normal is not fixing pastors and evangelists. Because this relates to ministry too. Because what, what, was, was Martha doing something wrong? No, she was cleaning the house. She was serving. She was feeding the hungry in the food pantry. She was traveling everywhere. She was evangelizing. She was, she was doing all the good things. But how many of you know that there's a time and there's a place every single day that I just need to step off of the pulpit and I don't need to be around anybody and I just need to be with the Father? Just me and Him. But i got to trade something for that. If all I spend is 10 minutes a day, then i got to find a way to open up more time. That's, that's practical. Bottom line, that's why I love my wife. She's very practical. I, I, it, listen, if 10 minutes is not enough for me to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ, Roger, I've got to figure out a way to open up time. So that means I've got to make a trade. I've got to trade four hours of my college football time on Saturday. I've got to trade that. God don't need the college football. He needs my time. I've got to trade my 74th hunting trip for the year because 73 wasn't enough. Hey, I went hunting yesterday, okay? I'm not condemning nobody. But there, there's got to be a place where the church, the culture, everybody, we trade. It's time. It's all about time. If we will put more time into our relationship with Jesus Christ, we wouldn't have as many issues as we've got right now. I promise you. I promise you. Go to Luke, we're in Luke 10. Go, go to verse 25. Verse 25. And, and church family, 
I'm just so passionate about this because I, it, everything that, that I've been involved with in ministry, it all revolves around this. Every bit of it. It all revolves around time. How much time are you spending with the Father? Well, I don't know anything about the Bible. How much time are you investing reading the Word? How much time? Now, I know some of you are probably sitting there going, well, you're a minister, that's your job, that's what you're supposed to. Listen, it's no easier for us. I, I spoke a, a little exhortation about a week ago, if you remember, about, about going on Christmas break and, and taking off, clocking out. That's what we like to do, or, or at least me. I'm, I can't speak for all the pastors and ministers, but because, well, we're around it all the time, so we're just we're full up, ready to go, so we can just clock out for six, seven days. No, it's not the case. We're just like everybody else. We have to make time. Because I like to go home and watch football. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to hang out with my friends. But I got to ask my question, go, I get myself a question going in 2014. Do I want to stay where I'm at? Or do I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ? And if I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ, there has to be a trade. There has to be a trade. Bottom line, there has to be a trade. Luke 10, verse 25. That was my introduction. Verse 25. I've learned from the best. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus speaking, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So there's a man that's stripped down, beaten, and he's left in a ditch, half dead. Now by chance, verse 31, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So there's a guy in a ditch, street, he's naked, he's in a ditch, he's, he's beaten to death. The priest, the priest, the one that's supposed to stop and do the right thing, the one that's supposed to do the godly thing, the one that's supposed to spend time with the Lord, he keeps walking. Why? Because he's got something else to do. He's already set his schedule. Oh, we've all fell and prayed to the old schedule. Listen, I'm one of the biggest schedulers. I love calendars, okay? Give me a calendar for Christmas and I'm happy. Okay, don't get me wrong. I love scheduling, but sometimes those schedules need to be broken. Sometimes those schedules need to be broken. Sometimes, dads, you do need to trade that trip into the woods just because you need to be Jesus to your kid. And it's real quiet right now. But I'm just saying, Mom, you need to turn Facebook off. And you need to sit down with little Jennifer because she needs some mommy time. Are you with me? There's got to be a trade. The priest did not trade. He could have traded whatever he was going to do, whatever religious activity that you, it had to be done, he could have traded it to go be Jesus to somebody. 
and to draw closer to Christ, but he chose not to. Verse 32, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, surely the Levite, the, the, the priestly lineage, the religious lineage of the Levite, surely he's going to stop. Surely he's going to trade. There can't be anything more important to him that he's got to go do that he can't stop and help this person that's in the ditch. No, the Bible says when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. He didn't have time. How many of us have said that? I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Just like I tell people when it comes to finances and budgeting, we don't have time not to spend with Jesus Christ. Everybody, I say it all the time. You ask a 13-year-old teenage girl what, what they're up to or how they're doing these days, they'll go, I'm busy. You're busy? You're 13. I don't have time. But if you go on her phone and she's texted 975 times that day, and you go to the social network, she's been on there for eight hours and she ain't got time. Adults, we're the same way. We got time to check our email. We got time to check our phone. We got time to watch a little TV. We got time to do all those other things. But watch what happens in verse 33. I love this. But a certain Samaritan, a Samaritan, the one, that, the, one is, the one that nobody cares about, the one that is outcasted because that, that's, uh, to be a Samaritan back then, not a good thing, not a popular person. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was. Key there. He came where he was. He decided, you know what? What I've got to do, the time that I've got to invest in what I'm going to do is not as important as being Jesus to this person in the ditch. So I'm going to go to where he is. I'm going to go to where he is. The priest didn't go to where he was. The Levite didn't go to where he was, but the Samaritan did. And let me tell you something, church family. I mean, this might be way overboard, and you can scold me later, but we live in a day and time where I see more unsaved people do good deeds than I do Christians. I do. I see more people that don't know the Lord do awesome things for people than I do, than I see Christians. And sometimes I fall in that category of shame on me. I should stop. I should stop for what I'm doing and take the time to invest in that person in the ditch. It shouldn't be the unsaved person. It shouldn't be the Samaritan. It should be the priest. It should be the Levite. It should be the church. And when he saw him, he had compassion. See, when you have compassion or when you have just passion, you're willing to trade for anything. When you have passion, I have passion for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I always tell people, my wife is awesome, my kids are awesome, but they're second because Jesus Christ is first. That's what I'm passionate about. And I'm willing to trade whatever for my Christ, my Jesus. He had compassion on him. So the Samaritan stopped. He came where he was. He traded his time to be Jesus. He traded his time to be with Jesus. Verse 34, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out money, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves, Jesus said? And he said, he who showed mercy on him, I guess. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and be like the Samaritan. 
The Samaritan didn't just stop and say, well, I just got a minute. Let me bandage you up. No, he bandaged him up. He gave him clothing. He put him up for a night. He gave him money. He fed him. He did everything that Jesus would do. And we always walk around, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Jesus would trade a lot of the time that we invest in other stuff to spend with the Father. That's what Jesus would do. Jesus would spend more time in prayer. Jesus would stop counting a little uh, religious, uh, which is fine, a, a verse on the social media, throwing a verse out there, which is, that's good. And I'm all for that. But let's not count that as our devotional for the week. Let's not count that as true, intimate time with Jesus Christ. It would be like me, and I know I'm hitting the social network hard, but it needs to be hit hard. It's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. It's a great thing. But there are also some negatives to it. It would be like me emailing Ann and going, honey, I love you every day, but never speaking to her. What kind of relationship would be there? None. None. The Samaritan traded his time to be with Jesus. Joshua 24 and 15, one of my favorite verses. Joshua in his, his old age, 24 verse 15, he's about to die. Verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will trade valuable time to be with the Father. Choose daily. That's where the fix is, is daily. The fix today is not necessarily right now. The fix is tomorrow when you wake up. What's your day going to look like? What's your day going to consist of? Wednesday, January 1st, 2014, are you going to be willing to trade? And it, once again, these things we're talking about trading are not bad things. Deer hunting, shopping, fishing, whatever you spend your time on, social media, that's all great. But how much time are you spending into that and you're not spending into Christ? January 1st, 2014, what are you willing to trade to strengthen your relationship? Because if you're not willing to trade anything, your relationship will not change. And that's so practical. That is so simple coming from the pulpit. But if it's so simple, why is it more people applying it? And I go back to my initial question that we all have to answer. We all have to answer. How bad do we really want a relationship? How bad do we really want to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ? You think about everything else that we grow in, everything else that we spend our time in. We're willing to invest if somebody gets a new iPhone, they're willing to invest time into that to figure it out. If you're getting into hunting, you're willing to invest the time into it to become a great hunter. 
You're willing to invest time into fishing. You're willing to invest time into sewing. You're willing to invest time. Those things take investment. It takes time. Relationships with Jesus Christ takes time. Yes, you prayed a sinner's prayer, and yes, you got saved, and yes, it's the most important thing that you could ever do in your life. But that's not a, a, a stamp of, well, that's it. That's the ball game. Shut it down. You're good to go. But that's how we live. That's how we live. Closing it out. God was, the, God was a traitor. Trader, not traitor. He traded his perfect life to send his son Jesus to die a brutal death on the cross for you and me. He was a traitor. It could have been so different. It could have been so different. But he was willing to be a traitor. And I ask you one last time, what are you willing to trade in 2014? Some of you know right now what you need to trade. Some of you know, some of you have hobbies or some of you have things that you're passionate about that you invest a lot of time in that you know that you don't necessarily have to cut it from your daily routine. You could just cut an hour or two from it. But the question is, are you willing to? The question really is, and it might be harsh, but is Jesus that important to you? That's hard. It's not harsh. It's just truth. Is Christ that important? Is he really your Lord and Savior? So I challenge everybody just like I challenge myself. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to be very transparent and give you an example. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back or my family because that's not why we're doing it. Because if anybody set the bar, it was the Patchell family when they started taking in kids. But me and Ann are in the process right now of being foster, a foster home. In the, in the, we want to adopt children, but we want to go through foster first. Any of you that's been around me for, uh, since I've had my children now, you have heard me say one time or the other, no more. That's it. Done. I don't like kids. I like teenagers. And I meant that. But something shifted in me a little while back. Came across the scripture in old James where it said, Jesus, to him, true religion is taking care of the widows. Well, check mark. She lives in my house. <laughs> and then the, 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 the third one was like talking about just being holy and being right. I said, well, I'm striving to be that. But there was one in there that taking care of the orphans. Dang. And it just, and man, I've never been more gung-ho about it. Total change. I'm willing to trade some of my hunting time. I'm willing to trade some of my time in front of the TV. I'm willing to trade just some of the downtime to just fill my house with kids. Not because I'm good, not because, nothing to do with me, but because I want to draw closer to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And being a foster family might not be your thing. Uh, giving up your homeland might not be your thing. Giving up your job might not be your thing. Changing your social status might not be your thing, but there is something that we all can do daily. There's something we can all trade daily to open up a little bit more time, to have a relationship, a true, life-changing, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ.
Bow your heads. Father,